Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Good to see. We finally have winter, like for one day. Backstage, I I saw the scarves on, you know, it's like, yeah, it's 68. Let's put them on. Uh, I was telling them when I lived back in Chicago when I was going to college, it was kind of like there in the spring hits, it's 45, people are in shorts. You know, it's like, it's spring. Uh, So out here, it's like 60, yes, winter uh, is here, but uh, it feels great. So I'm so glad you can be here today. My name's Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Rocky Peak, and we're just glad you're you're here to join us every week. God's bringing kind of new people to join us in this journey. And so uh, if you're one of those, a special welcome. In just a minute, we're going to go into our time of teaching, but I just do want to uh, call attention to one thing. Next week is going to be a very special week here at Rocky Peak. We're going to be having uh, 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 just a very special service. I'll talk to you more about that later. But one of the things we're going to be doing is baptisms next week. And so um, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, it's kind of the first thing he said to do when we, we make a decision to follow him. We, need, we baptize kind of initiation right into the movement of Jesus. And so if you uh, uh, want to get baptized, write on your card today, the Connect card, uh, baptism at the end of the service, drop an offering, and we will contact you with more information about how that works uh, this weekend. And so, uh, but beyond that, uh, we are going to go into our time of teaching, and, and you have your program there. You got the message notes inside, so if you're new, you'll definitely want to take those out. If you guys are all set, uh, I'm ready to go. You guys ready? All right, let's go. God, we're just excited about this season in our church, this assignment where, uh, season where we're focusing on this assignment you've, you've given us to, to reach out, uh, uh, seek and save the lost, uh, create space for you. And so as we come today to a very, uh, very special day in the life of our church, kind of our Haggai moment, uh, we pray that you would meet with us in a powerful way. Uh, I pray you'd give me words to say, uh, just energy that you want. I pray that uh, for clarity, I pray for us as a church, that as we gather, we'd all be listening to what your spirit wants to say to each one of us, and we respond to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, for those of you who are new, do want to welcome you, and, and this is a series that we've been in now. It's our sixth week of our series. It's called The Assignment, Unleashing the Movement. And so just for a little bit of background, uh, th- this is a series that flows out of the last words of Jesus. Uh, in Matthew 28, when he uh, left planet Earth, returned to his Father, he gathers his, his followers together, especially the leaders, and he says, uh, hey, as I leave, here's your assignment. Um, I want you to go into to all of the world. I want you to share the message of my life, my death, my resurrection. When people come to relationship with me, they're ready to follow. I want you to baptize. It's sort of the first step of kind of following Christ, why we're doing baptisms next week. He said, then I want you to teach them how to obey everything that I've taught you, how to, how to follow me, this new life. And so uh, that's the first part of this assignment that we're talking about in this series the second part of the assignment is more a specific assignment for us uh, as a church. This assignment that we believe that God is giving us to uh, both enlarge and refresh our campus to create space for, for people that God is bringing to join us uh, as followers of Christ. And so um, the first few weeks of the series, we focused more on the, the assignment of the first part of what does it look like to join Jesus in his mission, which he said in Luke 19 was to seek and save the lost. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on the second part, what does it look like to enlarge and refresh our campus? Now, if you are here last week, a uh, very special week, we, we talked about uh, creating space for God. And, and so we talked about how there are certain times in, in the history where God calls his people to create space for him, a place where, where we can seek him, uh, where we can worship, where we can pursue God, experience his presence, 
uh, uh, be transformed, learn, grow. And then for the, the sake of this series, of especially where we can have a place to bring people that we want to share the message of, of Christ with. And so last week we looked at one of those times in Israel's history. Uh, it, was, it was a time after the nation of Israel had come back from the promised land. Uh, I mean, from, from exile, rather. They've been away in exile. They come back to the promised land. And, uh, and so God says it's time to build, uh, rebuild the temple that was destroyed and to create space where you can seek me as a nation, put me first, um, uh, gather, a worship, uh, where, where the news about me can go out from. And so we, we, we saw how they had gotten kind of sidetracked from this. They came back all excited. They got sidetracked. It's now 15, 16 years later. And so God raises up this man, this prophet named Haggai, to say, hey, it's time to put God first again. And so it's, we, called it, we called it a Haggai moment. And the question was, how would they respond to this challenge from God? And we saw it was beautiful how they, they responded to, to, to his call. And so today what we're talking about this, what does it look like to respond to God's call when he calls a, a church, when he calls an organization, when he calls his people to create space for him? And so uh, we talked about this last week that in every church and in every generation, this always is a challenge. There are certain critical points in their history that God is going to call people to create space and their, their life-defining, their church-defining moments. We talked about that in the life of this church. We talked about back in 1977 where, where God called out a group of people, gave them a vision for a major church in the northwest corner of the San Fernando Valley to reach people for Christ in, in this part of the San Fernando Valley and in Simi Valley. We, we talked about how God uh, raised up a very special pastor for that time and place. We talked about uh, the seasons of church. In 1980, buying the land. 1987, 88, uh, building the first buildings. 1998, building this auditorium. These critical Haggai moments in the history of our, our church. And, and, and because of these believers, because of their vision, because of their obedience, because of their sacrifice, because of their, their, their uh, generosity, we're here today. And we have a place to sit. We have a place to raise our kids and to bring our friends in. And it's here that our lives have been transformed. It's here that uh, we have met Christ. It's here that we have grown and changed and, and we're able to bring our friends. And so we, we've talked about that. And so last week I, I sent you away and I said, okay, so what did I need you to do is I need you to go home and I need you to pursue God in your life this week. I need you to go and, and ask him, what, what do you want me to do? We're, we're at a Haggai moment here. Again, 2012, we're at a Haggai moment. It's the next one for our church. It's a defining moment. It's a life-changing moment. And the question is, how will we respond? How will we respond to what God is doing in this generation, our generation? And so I ask you to go home and to think and to pray and to begin to ask God specifically, God, what are you calling me to do uh, to help carry out this assignment uh, in this time and place. So later on in the service, uh, we are gonna have a chance to come before the Lord and give ourselves to God and say, God, here's, here's what you're putting in my heart and here's my commitment, and we'll talk about that more later. But before we do that, um, I wanna take us on a journey today. And, and a journey is th a journey through uh, the Bible uh, three times in the history of God's people, two in the Old Testament, one in the New, where, where they were at one of these defining moments, kind of these Haggai moments. Not Haggai, it's additional times, but the, the kind of a, a, a life-defining, uh, people-defining moment. Uh, because I want us to see what it looks like to respond to God. I want to see uh, how God moves in the hearts of his people, how he creates space, uh, how he leads, how he guides, how his people respond. These are like three case studies for us to prepare us for where we're headed today. So there on your note sheet, you have a section called The Assignment, Responding to God. 
And uh, uh, I want to walk us through these, these three, three case, really amazing stories of what it looks like when God's on the move and when his people follow. Now, before I do this, though, uh, at every service, every weekend, we always have some people who are brand new, first time. It's first time Rocky Peak. Maybe you're looking for a new church. Maybe you're just moved in the area. Maybe you're, you're just, you're, you're, you don't have any church background. You're just kind of, you're, just, you're hungry for God. There's something stirring. You, you feel something missing in your life, and you're just going to go to church and begin to seek that. And if so, if you're in any of those categories today, first of all, I just want to welcome you uh, and, and just excited that you're here because it's, very, it's just kind of a historic weekend in the, in the life of our church. Uh, it truly is one of those Haggai moments. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I, I, I want to be clear here that as we talk about this assignment that God is giving us as a church, this, uh, this specific uh, challenge that he's giving us, uh, this is really for those of us who are called Rocky Peak Home. This is our church. This is what we're, we've bought into this movement. Uh, we're part of this thing. And so you've come at a very special time. And uh, it's kind of like you have front row seats at a historic moment of our church. But as we go into, uh, we talk about this challenge, we talk about this assignment. I also want to be clear that I, I know this is not for you, that this is uh, God may call you to come join us at some point in this movement. If so, that'd be awesome, and there'll be plenty of time to serve and give and grow and all those things. But for today, if you're here as a visitor, this is really just time to sit back and watch a family meeting take place. This is kind of our, this is family time. And so really uh, no better time for you to see how we, how we do life together here as a church uh, in, in this area. But for those of us who call Rocky Peak Hope, uh, l- let's walk through uh, the, these three case studies because they're very, uh, they're, they're very insightful times of how God moves. So the first one is uh, back in Exodus 25. So I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 25. And as you do this, um, let me set it up. Israel has just come out of Egypt. They've, God has just rescued them from Egypt. They're now camped at Mount Sinai. There's a couple million people there, two, three million people there. Uh, they, they live in tents. Uh, this, you know, imagine this sea of tents uh, that's there. And so, so God shows up at Mount Sinai. And one of the things he says, kind of a top priority, is I want you to create space for me. I, I, I want to come and live with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to have a relationship. And so he said, I want you to build me a very special tent. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be ornate. It's going to be symbolic. It's going to be very important. And so we're going to call that the tabernacle. And so in Exodus 25, uh, God is speaking to Moses and telling him, here's how this is going to work. Here's how we're going to build this. Here's how we're going to fund this project. And so in Exodus 25, it says the Lord. And remember, uh, in the Old Testament, whenever we see the word Lord in all caps, what's that mean? Yeah, Yahweh, that's in, in the Hebrew, uh, the word Yahweh is there, and that's how they represent it in, uh, the, in, in English translation. But so, uh, so Yahweh uh, says to Moses, uh, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Now, uh, this is what we call, and we'll see this later, but this is what we call a free will offering. And so there's certain kinds of giving in the Bible that are kind of like required, especially for Israel in the Old Testament. But you have like the tithes or certain, certain burnt offerings or sacrifices. They're, they're required, right? Then you have certain offerings that are called free will offerings. They're not required. They're, they're kind of over and above your normal giving uh, as God leads you, as we'll see. And so he says, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering and you're to receive uh, the offering from me from each man uh, uh, whose heart uh, catch this, underline this, prompts him to give. I want you to catch a very important phrase. Uh, so this is, you see, this is a free will offering. He says that I, I want you to take an offering, but, 
that this is not obligation. We're not arm twisting. You don't have to. It's just, we're going to do this thing. We're going to build this incredible space for God where we can meet with him. And for everyone who's really moved by that, whose heart props them, they get excited about that. I want to be a part of that. He says, uh, take an offering from those people. Uh, people that don't care, people that don't want to be involved, people that don't want me to live in the midst, they're not excited, don't, want, don't need their money. I'm looking for people whose, whose heart is prompted, uh, who really want to be a part of having me come and live in their midst and have me be the center of the nation. And so he says, these are the offerings you're to receive from them. And he starts to give sort of a grocery list of the types of things we're going to need to build this very special tent and all the furnishings and uh, 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 different kinds of dishes and things for sacrifices you're going to need. So he says, um, so uh, uh, we're going to need, uh, first of all, gold, uh, silver, bronze. We're going to need some blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. We're going to need some fine linen. We're going to need some goat hair. That's high, high, high commodity. Uh, we're going to need... Uh, you're going to need ram skins that they need to be dyed red. And it just goes, it goes on. Here's the grocery list of what we need to create this space. And so in verse 8, he says, um, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will what? I will dwell. And so here's what I want you to catch. It's always been God's heart from the Garden of Eden on to dwell with his people. And as we walked away from his race, God is getting progressively closer. And this is the first major step where he creates a nation that he can come and live in that nation and through them reach the whole world. And so he says, I want to dwell with you. And so here's what I want you to catch from this little passage. We looked at three quick principles. Number one, there are times and places in, in, in history where God calls his people to create space for him. And when he calls, as we saw last week, it's a high and holy moment. Just, just like in Haggai's time, it's a high and holy moment. Number two, that when God cr calls people to create space, he calls them to fund that space. Okay, so that, that God doesn't just miraculously drop money down from heaven or whatever. He goes to his people. He says, I want you to fund it. And number three, but he asks people to fund it willingly as he leads them, as he prompts them. Do you see that? It's not like it, he doesn't require that everyone in Israel has a tax. You ought to do this. It's not as if you want God to live in your midst, if you're moved by this vision, if you, if you want to be part of what God's a part of and, and you get excited and, and your heart jumps out of your chest and say, yeah, that's what I want. I want to create a place for God. I, I want God to be in our midst and I'm all over that and I, I want my stuff. I want my money to be used for that. I, I want to put some gold in this. I want to put some silver. I've got some yarn here. Wouldn't it be awesome if it, it was part of the curtains and, and, and some of my stuff gets to be part of creating space. And, and if their heart prompts you, then give. If, you don't, if it doesn't prompt you, then don't give. Right? So, so this is the principles. Create space. God's people fund it. And, and, but we do it as God prompts us. Now, here's a beautiful thing. Is that, uh, here's what goes on. Is that, um, uh, so we're going to flip forward a few chapters. We're going to go to chapter 36. We're going to see what happened. Okay, so, so what happened? Because it's just such a beautiful example of what happens when God's on the move and his people are responding. So chapter 36, uh, we're going to go to uh, verse 3. So now it's time to build. And, and so um, the, you know, uh, Moses gets all the, the, the key workers together, the craftsmen together. And in verse 4, verse 3, rather, it says they received. In other words, these craftsmen. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring uh, what kind of offerings? Free will. See, it's free will offerings. It's as God prompts you, not required. 
uh, free will offerings morning after morning. So, so Moses sends out the word. Hey, it's time to build. This is what we need. Uh, you can start bringing the supplies. And we're going to start, we got, the, we got the warehouses up. We're ready to start collecting all the supplies. And so they start bringing morning after morning. And so the skilled uh, craftsmen who are doing all the work of the sanctuary left their work. And, and so they, they kind of call, you know, at a certain point, they're just like, hey, let's stop the day. We got to find Moses. Where's Moses? Not easy to find him. Two million people. So, uh, so they head off to find Moses. And when they get there, here's what they say. Hey, hey, the people are bringing more than enough for the work that Yahweh has commanded to be done. Like, we got too much stuff. We don't want to do with this. And so Moses gives an order. They sent the word out through the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. That's awesome. You're like, wouldn't this be awesome in a church? It's like, hey, we got more than we need. No more offering today. We are not taking any more offerings. The rest of the year, we are good. Um, uh, which is, I'm not saying that, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm saying, wouldn't it be awesome? I'm, I'm gonna, I can just see it's on Facebook. Mike said, we have so much money, we don't need money for the rest of the year. It is an awesome church. Uh, and so, anyway, um, CNN's coming. Hey, first time ever. Um, anyway, uh, so, so anyway, so Moses gives an order in verse 6, and they sent out the words of the camp, no man or woman stay make any, anything else as an offering. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. So the restraining order <laughs> goes out on giving uh, because what they, they already had was more than enough to do the work. And so here, here's just an example, a time in, in, in history, one of those kind of critical uh, moments where God calls those people to create space. Uh, he says, I want you to fund it. I only want you to give if, if it's in your heart to give uh, as I move you. And so then the people respond beautifully. They, they give and the project is carried out and his name is honored through it. Okay, so that's, that's case number number one. Number two, we're going we're gonna to move forward about 400 years in time uh, to the time of David and Solomon. And, and so that's the second one there on your note sheet. This is the temple. I need you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Now again, all we're doing is looking through another case study. Here, here's the time where God's on the move, his people respond, and, and just beautiful things happen. So it's uh, 400 years later. Uh, David and Solomon are teaming up to build a temple. Uh, up to this point, they've, they've worshiped God just in a, uh, uh, the tabernacle. But, but now David really wants to build a temple for God, a permanent place where they can meet with God, experience him, and where the nations of the world can come and learn about the true God. And so uh, he wants to do this. God says, no, that's not your assignment. Uh, actually, I want your son to do the assignment. Here's what, I'll let you design it. And so God supernaturally through the Holy Spirit downloads the plans to David. And so, so David uh, and Solomon are teaming up on this project. And now it's time to, to raise the money. And so David calls an assembly, calls the nation together to tell them about this project, what God's put in their heart, here's, here's the vision. Uh, and, and this is what you'll often see. You see this in, you see it back in Exodus, where, where you saw it in Haggai, where, where when God wants uh, something done, he usually downloads that vision to the, the leadership that he's put in place. And, he says, and then the leaders come to the people, and then the people share, share the vision, and then the people discern, is it from the Lord? And then they, they, then they, uh, they give as God leads. And so, uh, same deal. They're going to go and say, here's the vision God's given us. We've always called to do this. And, and so he gathers the nation, but he's, gonna, he's going to go first to the uh, leaders. 
And basically what he's going to say is, here, here's the vision, here's what it's going to cost, uh, here's what I'm personally giving to this project, and so uh, I want to invite you to join me in, in this. And so kind of, kind of very similar to what we see throughout Scripture. And so um, it's, a, it's just a, a, gather, a great story of, of what happens when God's on the move. And so uh, first, uh, first Chronicles 29, uh, we'll, start, we'll pick up the story at verse 1. So King David says to the whole assembly, my son Solomon the one God has chosen to, to build this place and to be king. He's young and inexperienced. Uh, you can kind of picture Solomon standing there going, Dad, do you have to say that, right? <laughs> like, it's not, I'm not way introducing me as the next king. So, uh, so uh, the task is great, uh, building this, tab- this temple, because this palatial uh, structure, it's, it's not for man, but it's for Yahweh God. And so uh, David says, with all my resources, and now he's going to talk not so much for, about his personal resources, his assets. He's talking about his resources as the king who taxes the nation, that become the national treasury, as we'll see in a minute. He says, with, with all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. And so here's what I brought. I brought gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron. I guess they thought they'd get confused. It's not iron for the wood. You know, iron for the wood, gold for the silver. It's like, I, I get it. All right. Okay, wood for the wood, uh, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And I brought all these in large quantities. Okay, so that's what he's brought for the National Treasure, Treasury. But he, said, he says, besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures. Okay, so now this is out of his personal assets he's going to give, of gold and silver for the temple of God, over and above uh, everything that I have provided for this holy temple from the national treasury. Okay, so now he's going to tell us, here's what I've given from my personal assets. And so he first starts off with 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, which I guess was uh, the hot item that day. But 3,000 talents of gold. Now, if you look at their footnote in your Bible, it says that that's 110 tons of gold. Now, I checked this out this week. As of Tuesday, gold was going for $1,735 an ounce. So I did the math, which required a spreadsheet. This is over $6 billion in gold. I mean, they just had a lot more gold back then. I don't know. But in, in today's dollars, $6 billion. And then he goes on and he says, so, I mean, David's highly committed. Can you just imagine you're in the crowd? They're like, woo! You know, it's like, uh, so anyway, so, so, so he goes on, 3,000 3, talents of gold. And he says, and 7,000 talents of refined silver. Now, I, I didn't even do the math. I'm like, after 6 billion, who cares? So for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings and for the gold work, and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. And so, so David's now told, here, here's what I'm giving from the national treasury. Here's what I'm giving from my personal assets. And now he asks this great question. He goes before the people, and he says, so who will consecrate themselves to the Lord? But basically he says, here's the vision. Here's what I'm doing. I'm all in. And he says, like, who's with me? 
Who's with me on this? Man, we, we need to build a place for God here. It needs to be an amazing place. It needs to be a place where the nations of the world can come. It needs to be a place where we can meet him, where God can come and live in our, and dwell in our midst. And, and so it's, it's, this is a huge, it's palatial, it's gonna be expensive. Who's in? Who's in on this? And so he shares his heart. He, he, uh, he ushers the challenge, issues the challenge. And so look, this, this is another time in Israel's history. They just respond as God moves them. And, and you'll see again the same principles as Exodus 25. So uh, verse six, so the leaders of the family, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of the thousands. In other words, so you got, you got military leaders, your political leaders, your cabinet members, uh, the commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the, work, of the king's work, that'd be like the cabinet members. Uh, they, they gave, and what's the next word? Willingly, right? Because this is a free will offering. This is a over and above. It's not required. Uh, you don't have to be a part of this. If you, if you don't want the temple there, if, if you don't believe it's important, uh, if you don't want to create space for God, if you're not in, uh, if you don't, it's like that's not important to you, then, then you don't have to give. It's free will, but they gave willingly. And then notice what happens is that the people, remember, because this is the leaders making this offering. He says, so verse nine, that, so the, the people, they rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, so they're just, the people are now moved by their leadership. And it says, for they had given, and I love these two words, they'd given, what, what's, what are the two words? Freely and wholeheartedly. Can we say it again? Freely and wholeheartedly. So, so freely, no, there's no arm twisting here. It's not manipulation. They're just inspired by this vision. And so they're gonna give freely and they're gonna give wholeheartedly. They're, they're all in. And so David the king, he's just excited also because they're, they're catching this vision. And so look at his prayer. He says, so David praised, the, the, praised Yahweh in the presence of the whole assembly. And so da- David just kind of goes off and he says, praise to you, uh, O Yahweh, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, because yours, O Yahweh, is the greatness and yours is the power and yours is the glory, and yours is the majesty, and it's all about you. It's not about the building. It's about, it's about him. It's about Yahweh, and it just continues on in worship, and then he says, for everything in heaven and earth is what? He just recognizes God. I mean, this all belongs to you, so what we're giving back is not really ours anyway. We're just kind of giving back what you've given to us, and then he says, yours, O Yahweh, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. You're in charge of the world. So wealth and honor, they come from you. And you're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength unto all. And so now, God, we give you thanks. We praise your glorious name. And then catch this. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? David just gave $6 billion. The, the, the leaders of the nation just made some kind of huge pledge and commitment. And what strikes David is not how much they gave, but how much God has blessed them to be in a position to give. You see, that, that he recognizes where this comes from. And then he, he, he says, look what he says, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. You see that? And you see how this, this frames up all giving uh, in the Bible, this basic understanding that everything we have, everything we own, it, it's really not ours. It belongs to him, that, that we will have to report back to him and respond of how we've 
manage what he's given us. And David is just so clear on this. And so he gives generously, they give wholeheartedly. They're so excited to be involved in this project because they, they understand who God is. They, they believe this will bring him honor. Um, but they understand that everything they're giving is really just flowing uh, from God himself. It's, it's coming from him to them back to him. And so that's how true giving gives. But once again, you see this model. You see this model in the Bible. God gives his leaders vision for what he wants done. Leaders take the vision to the people. People discern it. If they feel like it's from God, they give as God leads them, as prompts them. They give freely. They give willingly. Um, and, and then the project is carried out. And then catch this often, not always, you don't see this always, but in this example, you see that, that leaders are called to, take, to lead the way, that the leaders are called to take that first step. Okay? Now, the third example, you don't need to turn there, but it's on your note sheet. It's the Jerusalem project. And uh, you'll remember this if you've been with us for the last few months. Because last summer, uh, we, we taught through the whole uh, New Testament letter of 2 Corinthians. And, and so when we got to chapter 8 and 9, we did a sub-series called The Power to Give. And, and it's some of the best teaching in all the Bible on, on giving and generosity and that whole theme. And so uh, if you were here, you remember that this project was not for a building project. It was a major fundraising drive that Paul was uh, raising money from his Gentile churches to help support the poor Christians, uh, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And so it was, it was a big deal, major fundraising. And so he's writing in this letter to encourage them to open their hearts to God and to give freely and wholeheartedly. And so um, in, in that passage, those two chapters, uh, Paul starts off by talking about a two-step process. That whenever we go through, whenever we have an opportunity to give to, to anything, that we should go through a two-step process. The first step, he lays it out in the first five verses of 2 Corinthians 8. The first, the first step is we give ourselves completely to God. And so, so as Christ followers, we belong to, to Jesus and all we have, all we, we own belong to him. So we go, we give ourselves to God. So we, we remind ourselves of this truth that we're managers, we're stewards, we're not owners. And, and we surrender ourselves, God, all I have belongs to you. So these people or this project is asking me to contribute. And so I, I want to put myself under your authority and leadership. I belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you. You've called me to manager. So we give ourselves to God first. We surrender to God. And Paul said the second step is you then give as God leads you. Very, very similar to what we've seen here. We, we give what God puts in our heart. Then says God says, okay, this is what I want you to give. And so... Um, so he lays that out, and so you, you kind of get the feel for this in this verse. We actually looked at this verse last week, but 2 Corinthians 9, 7, there on your note sheet, uh, Paul's kind of coming to the, towards the end of his teaching, and he says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Now, now what does that sound like? That sounds like Exodus 25. Give as your heart prompts you. It's the same principle, just a, a New Testament application. And then he goes on and he says, but you should not give reluctantly or under compulsion. There's no arm twisting here. There's no manipulation here. It's not guilt producing. <clears throat> this is what we saw in 1 Chronicles 29 when the people gave freely and they gave willingly. This is a New Testament illustration of that. And so he says, for God loves a what kind of giver? A cheerful. And so uh, catch this. God is not looking for people to give who don't want to give. 
right? Like he, he's, he's like, no, no, when I build my, this space, I, I want people whose heart moves them. I, I want people who want me to dwell, who care about my kingdom. Like, I don't really need your money. That, that's not why I just want your, he says, I'm looking for your heart. And so what we, we looked at in second, what we saw in second Corinthians is we, we saw that, that the ultimate goal for all of us is to become like Jesus. And that one of the marks of Jesus is tremendous financial generosity. In fact, Paul lifts him up as the ultimate example. And he says, remember in, that, in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, he who is rich, he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. He's the ultimate example of financial generosity. At least the, the you know, finest gated, uh, most exclusive kind of gated community in the universe to come down to live as a poor man and then to die for us. He's the ultimate example of giving up everything for, for others. And so, so what Paul is telling us here is God's looking for cheerful givers. He's trying, to, he's trying to transform us into where we're like Christ. We want to give for the things in life that really uh, care about. So he says, when it comes to giving, give what God's put in your heart to give. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give under compulsion because God's looking for a hilarious giver. Remember that word, hilarious. It's a hilarious giver, a hilarious giver, that someone who's truly joyful. And then Paul wraps up that teaching in 2 Corinthians 9, by saying, hey, and by the way, don't forget that when you give as God leads you, that he will bless you for that. He, he will meet all your needs. Like through, we see this all through the Bible, that as we give, as God asks, that he will bless us financially and in other ways. And so Paul lays it out. In fact, he, 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 he gives an agricultural example to teach this. It's there on your note sheet, uh, 2 Corinthians 9. He says, uh, remember this, whoever sows, or, or he's talking about farming, like planting seed, whoever uh, uh, plants sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you, if you're, if you don't give generously, so you, you don't, you, it's not like not planting a lot of seed, you won't get a harvest back. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And the whole context is clearly talking about this financial fundraising drive he's doing. And he says, so here's what's happened. You skip a few verses down, then you'll be made rich in, in every way. Like God will enrich your life in every way for, for obeying him in this. And, and then he says, and then through us, or so that you can be generous on every occasion. And, and so often, you know, it's taught in some circles, you know, you want to give to God so you'll get wealthy. That's not the thing. He says, no, I, you, you give so that God can bless you so you can give more. So you can, you can continue to grow in your generosity. And he says, uh, and that through us then, through this project, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so the ultimate goal of this is that God receives honor, which of course, when you look back historically, you look at the tabernacle. Like when we read that story of, of how the people gave, doesn't it inspire you? Doesn't it, it's like, don't you read that? Say, That's so awesome, it's so beautiful. Why? Because, because what it's saying is that God is so worthy. He's worthy to give one of the things that human beings hold on to the most, which are money, but we have found a treasure that's greater than money. And so when we give, what we're doing is we're saying it's, a, it's an act of worship because we're saying there's something more important in life. And, and to have God's presence in our midst, it's more important than, than having this new flat screen or this new thing or this new motorcycle, whatever the thing is, that this is more important. And so it brings glory to him. And when you read in First Chronicles about how the people willingly gave or, or about David, it inspires you, doesn't it? And it brings praise to God. And that's what Paul says is that, that when we give generously, it says that here is the one more worthy than anything on earth can, can give, that we're willing to give what often others would hold on to as their most important. We say, no, we give that freely and open-handedly open because, because it's for something that we have found is to be a greater treasure, you see? 
And so this is what you find in, in Scripture, three case studies of, of how God leads his people. Certain times, certain seasons, critical seasons, life-changing, church-defining seasons where he says, I, I want to come and live in your midst in a new way. Uh, I, I want you to create space for me. So uh, gather the people, share the vision, uh, invite and participate. Don't receive any money from people who don't want to give. Only receive those from whose heart prompts them. As they give, I will bless them and my name will be honored and together will achieve great things. Okay, so, so that, that's, how, that, that's where we're at. Now, that, that kind of sets us up for today. And so uh, that's just context. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray right now. And we're just gonna pray that during these next few minutes as we go before God, God's gonna be with us and guide us. And then I've got some logistical things to walk you through to say here's how we're gonna do this because we have several things planned for this, this time as we go before the Lord. Let's pray. God, we just thank you uh, for this Haggai moment in our lives. We thank you you brought us here. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for the transformed lives. We thank you for the new believers. We thank you that we have space issues. We thank you that you have, have just been poured out a spirit of worship on this church, uh, that you've been touching our hearts, that you've been calling us to really passionately pursue you more than anything else. And so, God, we sense this is a Haggai moment for us. This is one of those critical times in the life of this church like in 1997, 1977, like in 1980, like in 1988, like in 1998, this is our Haggai moment. This is where we come. You're calling us. The vision has been cast. The only thing that's waiting now is for how we will respond. And so we pray that as we talk about uh, this, the, the commitments, how we're going to be made, we go through logistics, and then as we go before you in prayer, God, our one prayer is that you would lead, uh, that you would be clear, that we would be able to give freely and, uh, and, 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 and with our full hearts, with great joy, because we know that you've spoken to us and we've surrendered ourselves and we know that we're giving as you're calling, that we can trust you to bless us and that you will achieve everything you want as we uh, follow you in obedience. We pray this in your name, amen. amen. All right, so let's just talk through logistics of this because I wanna be very practical here because uh, this week as I've talked to different life group leaders, directors, and so on, uh, there's been some confusion at some point exactly what's gonna happen this week, next week, and so on. So here's what I need you to do. Inside of your program, you're gonna find four cards uh, and one envelope. Uh, the, the, there's a couple larger cards and then there's a couple very small like business cards and, and an envelope. So if you take those out, now, let me just walk you through. One of the cards you've seen before, the first one, the triangle, is just more of a context card. Remember in this, this, uh, this uh, project that we're kind of targeting $5 million to raise, but we're really praying for seven because that's the cost, our estimated cost of the project. And so that's just more context, the type of gifts that it will require. Of course, if we hit the seven million, it's going to require more gifts and some larger gifts that are on that card. But that gives context. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, number two, I want you to take out... This card the, uh, that is this uh, kind of a folded card looks like this. And I want you to open up, and I just want to walk you through. In a few minutes, we're going to be making our commitments. And I want to make sure you're just clear on uh, what, what the lines mean, what you're committing to, so that it's filled out uh, accurately. So you'll notice at the top, it says it's a 36-month commitment. So first thing is, this, this project that we're doing, we're, we're asking for a three-year commitment. Uh, secondly, we're asking, just to be clear, this is a, a free will offering like we talked about today. It's over and above your normal gifts and tithes. So, for example, in one of the, I was asked this week, well, hey, can I just take some of my normal tithe and just kind of designate it as part of the assignment? Well, no, that wouldn't really be helpful because then the church would close, right? So, um, 
So yeah, this is kind of over and above your normal uh, giving. Uh, third thing, as you look, at, look in the middle, there's two boxes there. On the left side is your total three-year uh, gift to the assignment campaign. And so this would be how much do you feel like God is putting in your heart uh, that you can give with great joy, give hilariously, uh, maybe a little bit of pain, but you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, that you can give with great joy. Uh, how, how much do you feel like God's putting in your heart as you've been praying or even today? Maybe you'll pray later. That's the total amount, okay? On the right side, there's a box. And what this is, is, is we call it our, your first fruits gift, or it's called on here your lead gift. And so let me be very clear. Today, we are not turning in any special, we'll do our normal offering later, but we're not doing any special over and above. That's not, we're not giving today. Today's commitment weekend. Next weekend is first fruits weekend. Next weekend, we have a very special service uh, uh, with, with all these baptisms and new partners and just time of worship. It's going to be a very special time. One of the things we're going to do is next week, we're going to make our first gift. We call it the first fruits gift uh, of the three-year commitment. And as I've explained before, uh, the more money that we receive in this first fruits gift, the faster we can carry out the, the uh, a project. So if you have the capacity to front load more of your three-year commitment, that will be very helpful. Some of you will, some of you won't. But next week, we'll bring our first gift, whatever that is. Uh, now, for some of you, you, you may say, you know what, I want to make an initial gift, and it's kind of a large gift, my lead gift, but the, I need a couple more weeks, I need a month or whatever, because I, there's some things I'm working out, I'm selling some property, I'm selling this, I'm so, whatever the thing is. Um, and so notice above that box, it says, I or we plan to give a lead gift by, and that's the date. So like for me, for Lynn and I, our lead gift we're going to give next Sunday. And so um, for us, that date in there will be 1028. For most of us here, that will be the case. That's our lead gift. That's our first fruits gift, 1028. But for some of you, you may say, no, you know, I really, uh, I, I know I saw one person that said it was by, uh, 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 they talked to us by, by January the 3rd. I, I, there's something, there's something's going on. I've got to sell something, what, January the 3rd. And so you may have a different date in the next couple months that you need to put in. That's what that's for. Then down below is just uh, kind of how you plan to carry out the rest of this three-year commitment. You know, a one-time gift, is it a bi-monthly gift, a, an annual gift? I think like for Lynn and I, ours will probably be quarterly. And so they don't give us that option. So I'm going to write it in. So I'm going to write it in. Uh, so you can feel free to write it in uh, every third Tuesday. You know, whatever you want. All right. Then you sign it, and then you just let us know whether that card represents, you know, a family gift. Like if you're a husband and wife, does this represent your whole family? Or are you doing separate commitments? And so just let us know that, okay? So that's, that's that card. Now let's talk about the next card. The next two cards are your One Life cards. They look like business cards. We've given you two of them. If you're like last night, uh, a lot of you haven't pulled these out yet. So pull them out. Uh, so we got two One Life cards. Now, uh, we've been talking to you for the last few weeks about One Lives. Uh, so uh, a One Life is someone that you've been praying about. You're saying, God, is there someone in my sphere of influence that, um, that, that you are already working on to draw them to you? And that you're calling me to join you in this uh, mission of seeking and save the lost. So you want me to pray for them on a regular basis. They're going to come to faith. Uh, and I'm going to intentionally Look for opportunities to invest time with them to build a relationship. So out of the context of genuine love and relationship, when they ask questions, I can answer their questions, uh, share a little of my story, 
share a little bit of God's story. This is your one life. I think most of you here probably have one. In this last week in our, our life groups, we prayed for our one life. So you may have three one lives. I talked to one lady last night. She's so excited. Their son is getting baptized next, next week. And uh, they have a huge, uh, huge group of family that's coming to, to see this baptism. And she said, my three one lives are coming next weekend. Uh, to this baptism. She was so excited. So her sub, subtext was, don't blow it. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, this is a spot for your One Life. Now, the reason we're giving you two cards is so you can write your One Life on both cards. If you just have one, you'll put your name on both. If you have two or three, you'll put them on both because you're going to keep one and you're going to do something with the other one. You're going to keep one for your wallet, right? So, so you got that. So let me tell you what's going to happen now. What's going to happen in just a couple minutes, uh, we're going to have some prayer, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. And in this time of worship, I want you to do three things. Number one is I want you to turn in your commitments. There are four stations around the room, one at the front, two at the front, two at the back. They have these large silver containers. That's where you'll drop your commitments. Number two, your One Life cards. I want you to take one of your One Life cards and I want you to go to one of the outer walls. On the two outer walls, we have uh, cut three holes in the wall. Above each hole is a One Life sign. The hole is framed with a, a picture frame. And these are walls that are not going to be changed in the remodel. And what we want to do is we want to take our one lives today and we want to offer them before the Lord. We want these to be in the very walls of this place. That God, these are the people that we're praying for. These are the people, it's for people like these people and others like them that we don't, that, that we're doing this. It's for this reason that we're coming and giving these gifts that we can create a place where God can dwell in our midst and people can come and meet him and their lives be transformed. That's the second thing. Now, just a hot tip here. I want to be clear. Commitments go in the silver. <laughs> one lives go in the wall. We had one guy drop his commitment in the wall. Okay? That's not going to help us. God will see it, but we won't. Third thing I want you to do. At our encounter service a couple weeks ago, as you know, we wrote prayers on this wall. What we want to see God do at this church, it's our prayer for the future, the vision. And I don't know if you've had a chance to read the walls, but they're incredibly moving. In fact, at our staff meeting this week, we just spent the whole time in worship and prayer. And part of what we did is I just asked our staff to spend 10, 15 minutes, just go read the walls. You read the walls, you see the heart of our church. And I'll tell you what, it is a moving experience. And can I tell you, there's at least seven languages that I found on the walls. Of course, there's English. There's Spanish, there's Chinese, there is Arabic, there's Romanian, there's Armenian, 
and there's French. It's a beautiful thing to see the hearts of our people and what God's doing here. A vision for the nations, right? We don't have to go to the nations here in L.A. We've got them all. We've got them all here. Like, right, we used to have to go overseas to reach people of different nationalities. They're all here now. What an opportunity God's given us. So take some time and, and read the walls. Let, let God just speak to you. It's powerful. You know, this last weekend, our last Friday, we gathered with some of the leaders of our church. Probably about 300 people here, I guess. A couple, a couple hundred families represented, like 225 families. We called them together because like David had gone to the leaders, we wanted to go to our leaders first. So these were some elders, staff, life group, life group leaders, coordinators, first impressions leaders, kids ministry, student ministries, college leaders. And we said we want to have our Haggai moment with you first. We want to go before God as leaders. And one of the things we did is I shared with us something that I do in my life. When, when I pray, I, I always have a journal in my hand when I pray. I don't really write out my prayers, but I, I jot down key words. Every week I, I pray for Rocky Peak, especially on Fridays and Saturdays when I spend some extended time with God. And uh, the way I always do it is I take a page of my journal, it's a blank page, and I draw a, a big arc over the top, like Sigma Sun, like arc. I write the words Rocky Peak right in the middle of the page. I put a box around it. And then I just begin to pray over our church. And I just begin to pray key words, things that I want for God to do. I've been doing this for seven years. It's praying words like power, obedience, surrender transformation, healing, conversions, prophecy, supernatural, love, compassion, passion. And I just begin to fill it in just slowly as the word comes, just kind of wait before the Lord. What's his vision for this church as it comes? Just Write that word and pray that over our church. Then on top of the arch, I'll write keywords. These are words I feel like God's over our church. These are the words I just want to rain down on our church. Words that often go there are words like spirit. Nothing I want more than for the spirit to hover over our church. In Genesis 1-2, we're told the spirit of the Lord hovered over creation. And out of that creation, he called forth everything that came. I just pray, God, we just hover, would your spirit hover over, just call forth obedience, call forth surrender, call forth transformation, call forth, just be over our church. A word that often goes up there is the word presence. God, we, we long for your presence. Nothing I want more in this church than your presence. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. I feel exactly the same way. God, your presence. Another word that often goes up with us is the word blessing. And then to Deuteronomy, God says that if the nation of Israel will pursue him and follow him and obey him, 
He says, here's the blessing. There's a whole chapter of blessings. I'll bless you when you get up in the morning. I'll bless you when you go out in the day. I'll bless you in the fields. I'll bless you in your home. I'll bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit, the, the fruit of your, your, your livestock. I, I will, I'll protect you from your enemies. I'll heal your diseases. There's just, it just goes on this blessing. And so I just, I just write the word blessing over the top of the circle. God, you're blessing we just bless us in ways that I can't even begin to imagine. We just raise us up as a church of incredibly passionate Christ followers who, who love you more than anything else, who are completely committed to your kingdom, who want nothing else than your name and your fame, totally surrendered to your will. And I'll just pray this over our church. So Friday night, we got together with our leaders and I shared this prayer with them. Some of the people on our team had the idea we put on both sides of the walls over here, kind of a representation of my journal, how it looks. And then as the leaders came forward, I said, before you make your commitments, I want you to come and I want you to write your word. If you only had one word for the future of this church, only one word, it's all I can give you. There's hundreds of us here. We got to fill this thing. You can't fill up. You only have one word. What, what would be your, your word? And so during our time of commitment, they stood in lines, came up. This is the most beautiful thing, just to watch them write their words and to fill this in, the, the prayer. We got to the end of the night. As we were ending, we pretended we were a small group. We all stood up, and I said, just, just, let's just pray together. Just went before the Lord, just would you pray out your one word, your one word, just all of this auditorium. Words went up before God. This is our prayer. And then the leaders went and made their commitments. Just like in the day of David, the leaders went first. They made their commitments. They gave what God had put in their heart. They committed what God had put in their heart. And can I tell you that from that one night, that over $3 million dollars, has already been pledged. Yeah. It's uh, it's not six billion, but uh, but you're giving that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil says that's my part. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but it's a beautiful statement of the heart of our leaders. And so that was their Haggai moment. I, I told them, 520 BC, August 29th, was Israel's Haggai moment. That was their Haggai moment. And now I come to you as your leader. We've cast the vision. I've asked you to pray. And now it's time for you to go before God, to fill out your cards, to pray to ask him what he wants you to do, to give as he leads, to give only what you have joy in your heart to give, but to give willingly and to give freely, to give wholeheartedly. This is your Haggai moment. Theirs was October, I mean, August 29th, 520. Yours is October 21st, 2012. This is our moment. May it be one of our finest hours. May it be one of those Haggai moments that years to come 
the generations that come after us will look back. And the Haggai moment won't stop at 1998. It'll go to 2012. As those who have gone before to create space for God. Let me lead us in prayer. God, we come now. We pray you'd speak as we fill out our cards, as we take them to the front, as we we bring our one lives to you. God, we bring you these one lives, these men and women that you've written on our heart that we are praying over for them to come to your kingdom. God, as we go, we read the prayers on the wall. So maybe we add a prayer or two of our own. God, we, we come before you as a church in this holy moment. We pray you'd meet us now. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I hope you can be with us next week as we continue this celebration. So next week, we'll uh, be bringing our first fruits uh, of our commitments today, making a special kind of over and above offering in, in, in addition to our normal offering next week. We're going to come, but it's been, it's been a great service. Um, this whole assignment is about helping people far from God come to God, right? This is what it's all about. It's, so it's no... It's no um, accident that we're doing baptisms this weekend. Um, they are first fruits of the harvest. Amen. And so we're going to be celebrating baptisms. I'll be teaching shorter than usual. I know that's hard to believe, uh, but we're going to make a real effort, make a real effort. Uh, we have some other th- special things planned, but it's going to be a tremendous week of celebration as we come before the Lord and, and we just give with gracious hearts and we seek Him and we we see him bringing people to him, and it's just going to be a tremendous service. This week in your life groups, uh, great chapter. Uh, it's about the power of the church together in worship, the impact that has on a non-believer when, when a non-believer comes. And we've talked a couple weeks ago about this whole invest and invite, you know, building relationship, come and see. And it's a chapter that kind of fleshes that out as sort of more biblical examples and so on. And so it'll be a great chapter this week. But Uh, Until then, until next week, may the Lord be with you. May he capture your heart in a new way. Um, May may your affections be true to him. May you love the Lord your God uh, with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. May, May you release everything you are and have to him just for the sake of his kingdom, whether it's your money, your time, your your gifts, that that we would all together be pursuing him and unleashing his movement. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.